Hello and welcome back to Major League Talk Giants edition. Today is Friday, May the 5th, 2023. My name is Henry Self. This is episode 11. We're going to be reviewing the series against the defending champs, Houston Astros. So this is our 10th series of the year for which we are in Houston facing off against the defending champion, Houston Astros, and apparently an angsty Mauricio Dubon. Fun stuff there. Um, First game was pretty close until Sean Jelly decided to pull a jelly and gave up five runs in the seventh. Um, technically, he gave up four of the runs, but was responsible for a runner that was on when he got relieved. So five earned runs to him. That ultimately allowed the Astros to take the game uh, seven to three. Game two saw the Giants shut out the Astros in their own home, winning two to nothing. And then game three was a decent pitcher's duel with Webb coming out as the winner. Giants take the game four to two in the series, two games to one. The starting pitchers for each game were Stripling versus Garcia, uh, Dave Sclafani versus Hunter Brown in game two, and then the top two ground ball pitchers in the league, Webb versus Valdez for game three. So for game one, our pitcher on the mound was Stripling. Uh, he had a good start, honestly, to the game. His final line was five innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. So he is improving slowly as the year progresses. He's only had three starts so far. This is the best he's had as far as runs allowed. Uh, it's also the longest. He's gone five innings twice now, 3.1 in one of his other starts. Um, but there is progress there with him. So it's starting to look like he's starting to figure some of the things out he needs to do to be successful with the Giants. And maybe our pitching staff, as far as the trainers and the coaches, are starting to figure out the right way to coach the coach him and get him up uh, and you know have him be a productive starter for us. Uh, it'll be fun to see if he can eventually go into, say, six or seven innings for his starts and limit it to only three or two runs apiece. Our lineup. Uh, we had Wade Jr. at first. He went two for three with a walk, uh, a home run, and two runs. Uh, Estrada was at short. <clears throat> he went 0 for 4 in this one with two strikeouts. Peterson was DHing. He went 1 for 3 uh, with a home run and two RBIs and a walk. Uh, Hanniger was in left, went 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Conforto was in right, 0 for 4. With one strikeout, Davis was one for three. He was playing third base. He had a walk. Sable was catching. He went one for four uh, with a strikeout. VR went 0 for four with two strikeouts. He was at second, and then Wisely was in center, went 0 for three. Uh, five hits at 32 at-bats, um, nine strikeouts. I mean, hey, at least it wasn't double digits. Um, <clears throat> only drew three runs. Only drew three walks in this game, uh, though there were two home runs. Um, but uh, Taylor Rogers was the first out of the pen behind Stripling. Uh, he only recorded two outs in the sixth before Kapler decided to pull him and get Jelly on. Um, Rogers had hit the first batter he faced. He then got a pop out and a fly out before he gave up a single that moved the hit batter over into scoring position. Jelly would get the final out of the sixth. Okay. The seventh inning is where things went sideways for Jelly, and it's not really surprising considering the Astros are top of the league and scoring in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and the Giants are bottom of the league and preventing runs 
in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. We've given over 70 runs in the late innings so far this season. And I'll be honest, the sequence was pretty painful. Um, first batter walks, then Joey gets a ground out. But that still moves the walked batter over to second. Dubon doubles, scoring the walk. Bregman single, scoring Dubon. Next batter walks. Um, then gets to second on a wild pitch. Uh, the next batter grounds out, but a, a run still gets across. We intentionally walked Tucker, and then a single scores the second batter that had walked. So at that point, the score is 6-2. to two. Jelly's uh, pulled, but he's responsible for two base runners. And honestly, like the pitches that were getting hit by the Astros, it was a sinker. His sinker was coming in. The Astros were seeing it really well. I um, guess they got a good uh, scouting report, or you know, they're just major league players, and they understand how to hit a sinker. And his final line was only one inning pitched. Three hits, three walks, five runs. Uh, Beck would replace him in the seventh, and the first batter he faces, he gives up an RBI single, and then he gets a strikeout to finally end the disastrous seventh inning. Uh, Beck would also pitch the eighth, getting a strikeout and two ground outs, and then obviously we didn't score enough to get to the bottom of the ninth. Thus, the world turns. As for the offense, they left five on base, uh, went 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Peterson got a two-out RBI with a two-run home run. Uh, Sable had a pass ball. Yeah, so not really a fun game to to talk about too much. Let's go ahead and get into Ross Stripling's pitching report. He threw 73 pitches, um, <clears throat> mostly sliders. Uh, he also had 17 changeups and four seamers, nine knuckle curves, and then managed to fit in three sinkers. Uh, velocity looks pretty good. 80, almost 85 on that changeup. Uh, 92, almost 93 on the four seamer. 78 on that knuckle curve. Uh, the sinkers are coming in at around 90 and the sliders were 87, almost 87 and a half. Most of his pitches, as far as in reference to like that center line, don't have too much lateral movement. Um, and, of course, that knuckle curve's got a nasty drop to it. And most of his release points are over six feet. Uh, as for the strike zone, it doesn't look like he's really, like, varying too far to one side or the other. He's It's, it's almost a straight up and down kind of um, spread there. Uh, at the most, the, you get some of the pitches that will come down and then start to go down and out from a righty, but that's about it. Uh, he threw 37 of his pitches in the zone, 36 out of the zone, and batters would swing at 41 of his pitches and take 32. Um, the distribution of taken to swinging, as far as the types of pitches, isn't too far off. They took more of his knuckle curves than they swung at, um, and then they swung at more of his change-ups than they took. It's the only, like, major difference there uh he threw 22 balls 23 strikes nine of them called 14 swinging so that's fun like to see that uh 13 foul tips 10 hits for outs five base hits and only two hard hits so like i said good start for stripling um 
good to see him improving, making progress, and hopefully that just maintains a good positive trend throughout the rest of the season. As for the man calling the balls and strikes, it was someone named Malachi Moore. Overall accuracy of 95%, overall consistency of 97 uh, Overall favor, plus 0. 0.04 runs for Houston. I don't really think you can honestly call that favor. I mean, 0. 0.04 runs. Oh, no. Uh, impactful missed calls. Top of the fourth, uh, Bilak. I think that's how you say that. B-I-E-L-A-K. Bilak to VR. One out, runners on first and second. 2-0 count. Uh, a ball is called a strike. And then top of the first, by like to Peterson, one out, runner on first, a zero zero count, strike is called a ball. And then top of the sixth, Maton to Hanniger, no out, space is empty, first pitch, strike is called a ball. Um, it's called ball accuracy. They're saying it was 97%. Three of the 101 called balls are true strikes. And his called strike accuracy, they're saying 90%. Uh, five of 48 called strikes or true balls. Okay, so that's game one. Pretty rough. That got our losing streak up to four, you know, and it's against the Astros. I was like, okay, well, the Astros didn't really expect. I, I was hoping for maybe one game. Uh, so then we start game two, and we have Dave Sclafani twirling one gem of a game. This man managed to pitch eight shutout innings against the Astros lineup and set Duvall up for the save. His final line was eight innings pitched, only three hits, no walks, and only three strikeouts. That means defense was working really nicely behind him there. That's really cool. You like to see that. Lineup, Wade Jr. at first. He went one for four with two strikeouts and a walk. Estrada was a short, better game for him. He went two for three. Uh, two walks, too, and he scored a run. Peterson was the DH. He went one for four. Uh, with an RBI and a run and a walk and a strikeout. Look at that all the way across the board. Conforto was in right. He went one for three. Uh, Flores was at third. He went 0 for three, uh, but he did draw a walk, and then Slater would come in and take his spot. Uh, he'd pinch run for him, and then uh, Slater would go out to play left. Sable was in left. He went one for four with two strikeouts uh, and an RBI. And then Davis would come and take his spot in the lineup to go play third. Uh, and then Bart was catching. He went one for three uh, with a strikeout and a walk. Wisely, Wisely was in second. He went 0 for three. Uh, and then Stevenson, our new center fielder, uh, was 0 for two, but he did draw two walks. So that's cool. Overall, overall seven, uh, seven hits and 32 at-bats. Uh, only seven strikeouts. Okay. I like to see single-digit strikeouts. Um, like I said, Descafani went eight full innings without allowing a run. Uh, so that set Duvall up for the save in the ninth, defending a two-run lead. He earned the save. He struck out one, gave up no hits or walks. It was his lack of pitch clock awareness that was really the story here. So Joey Bart was just brilliant behind the dish, maintaining his awareness of that pitch clock and maintaining control of this tempo in this game so that it didn't get away from Duvall. He ended up using three mound visits and two, three, two counts to prevent a base runner. Um, and you could see 
some of his frustration there at the end, especially because he had to use two mound visits back to back on the same batter on the same three, two count. Cause he'd gone up, looked like he probably told, uh, told Duvall, you know, Hey, throw this pitch went back and Duvall's just taking his time. I couldn't tell if he was really trying to shake him off or not, but Joey's like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. And finally he had, he looks at the clock. He's like, Shit. His hands kind of go up in the air. He hangs his head. He looks just—he knows that this is going to be the last out. He, he just needs to get Duvall to throw the right pitch. So he goes back out, gets Estrada to come over, and looks like they're all finally on the same page. Lo and behold, get back to the plate. Duvall throws his pitch. That ends the game. So kudos uh, to Joey for really having that wherewithal that awareness and uh, being able to maintain uh, that little bit of leadership, that little bit of control there uh, in that situation. Uh, the offense did leave 10 on base and went three for nine with earners in scoring position. Sable hit a double and a two out RBI Peterson and Conforto grounded into double plays. Uh, Slater and Estrada were both caught stealing once and Estrada managed to successfully steal once. Dave Scalfani did get uh, an error on an attempt to throw a runner out at first. Oh, well. He still only gave up three hits over eight innings. Uh, pitcher report, Dave Scalfani, 109 pitches for his eight shutout innings, 53 sliders, 36 sinkers, 16 four-seamers, and then snuck in three knuckle curves and one changeup. Just, just for the one time, right? Um, his four seamers averaged at 94 knuckle curve came in at 84. His sinkers averaged at 93.7 sliders, 87.9. Uh, it's mainly his sinkers and his four seamers that had some, uh, some lateral movement, some run to them. Um, and then the knuckle curve had the most drop. Um, decent spread across the strike zone. Uh, mostly like going from away and up to away and down uh, from a righty. <clears throat> 53 pitches were in the zone. 56 were out of the zone. Batters would swing at 54 of his pitches and take 55. Uh, looks like they... Swung more at his sinkers and took more of his sliders. He threw 39 total balls, 22 strikes, 16 of which were called. Six were swinging. Of those six, that was 50-50 sinker slider. 24 foul tips. 21 hits for outs and only three base hits. The three base hits, one slider, two sinkers. Uh, eight hard hits. Two of those were ground balls. Four of them were line drives. One was a fly, and one was a pop up. Beautiful game thrown by Descafani. I like seeing how well he's doing this year, especially after the the performance from last year, and then he had had the surgery. I'm really, really happy to see how well he's doing this year, and it makes me look forward to his starts. Um, balls and strikes getting called by Mark Wegner. Uh, behind the dish 
His overall accuracy, they have him here rated at 96%. And his overall consistency, 95. Uh, impactful missed calls, top of the ninth. Blanco to Peterson, one out, bases loaded. A one-two count, strike was called a ball. Uh, top of the fourth, Brown to Bart. Two outs, runners on second and third. Two-one count, strike is called a ball. And then top of the fourth, Brown to Peterson, no outs, runner on first, 1-0 count, strike is called a ball. Um, so that these impactful missed calls were in our favor and the, his overall favor was plus point or plus 1.6 runs for San Francisco. Uh, his called ball accuracy was 96%. Five of 130 called balls were true strikes and his called strike accuracy was 96% as well. Two of 47 called strikes were true balls. Um, so there's that. So after that game, Set us up for Webb versus Valdez uh, to end the three-game series. And honestly, Webb going up against the Astros lineup and how much he's been giving up home runs to start this year. I was a little nervous. I thought, okay, well, we won our one game, two to, two to nothing. You know, we couldn't really put up many runs. But... Surprise, surprise. In game three, Webb takes the mound, and he managed to induce the right contact for outs and didn't give up a single run until recording two outs in the eighth. His final line was 7.2 innings pitched, five, uh, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. Um, as for our lineup, Slater was in center, then we moved to left, and he, got two, uh, he went two for four with an RBI and a run. Estrada was at short. He went one for three this time uh, with a walk. And one strikeout, Hanniger was in left. He'd eventually be replaced by Stevenson, who would go over into center, and that's why Slater would go from center to left. Um, Hanniger went one for four with two strikeouts and an RBI. Davis was at third, kind of a rough game for him, went 0 for four with a strikeout. Uh, Flores was DHing. He only went one for four, but he did get an RBI. Uh, it was a home run. Conforto was in right, uh, 0 for three with three strikeouts. That's, uh, that's pretty rough. Um, hopefully he can get back on track. There was a couple of games there where he was looking really good. I'd like for him to get back to that, especially because it's kind of getting hard, uh, defending him to some of my buddies at work who, uh, like to really rip on Conforto a little bit, but I think he'll be, he'll get right back on track here soon. Uh, VR was in second. He went over two with two strikeouts. He is having a rough go of it right now. Um, but the team and the organization still has faith in him, at least at the moment and at least publicly. Uh, as far as his spot in the lineup, he'd be replaced by Peterson, who would come in to pinch hit, and then Wisely would take his spot at second. Bart was catching. He went two for three with an RBI and a run. And then Wade Jr. was at first. He went 0 for one uh, with a walk. Seven for 30. 12 strikeouts. 12 strikeouts is we, we got to stop seeing the double digit strikeouts. We just went nine, seven, 12. Oh, well. Um, but Hey, the four runs was enough. Uh, Webb did have a great game. Kapler decided to pull him though, before he could get the final out of the eighth, he'd thrown 102 pitches up to that point. Uh, though his last pitch was hit for a two run home run by Bregman. So 
Another home run given up by Webb. I think he's up to eight at this point in the season. Remember last season only gave up 11. <clears throat> um, it'd be really kind of interesting to see if, like, for the rest of the year, he just doesn't give up a single home run ever again. Like, this is a storyline we're seeing. He he already got up to all of his eight at the beginning of the season and then just gave up none because he figured something out. Uh, anyway, but the fun part about the that is so that two run shot was hit right after or not right after, but it was hit after Dubon grounded into a double play, which made that double play matter so much more. Um, Cause that would have been just devastating, <clears throat> but we'll, uh, we'll talk about Dubon here in a minute. Uh, Duvall would make his second ninth inning appearance, defending a two run lead uh, in two days. This time with a, uh, without as much pitch clock drama, he did walk the first batter, but then he struck out the next batter and got two consecutive ground outs to third. Uh, and that would seal the game for us and the series. So real quick, before we get into all the fun stuff, Logan Webb, 102 pitches, like I said, uh, for his 7.2 innings, 34, excuse me, 35 changeups, 34 sinkers, 31 sliders, and then just for shits and giggles, two four-seaters. Um, his changeups, 87.3. His sinkers, 92.4. His sliders, 84.6. Uh, and if you watch Webb, you know how much run and drop some of his pitches will have. <clears throat> Slider tends to go more out from a, a righty, and the changeups and sinkers will come in. Um, and then you look at the spray across the strike zone. Not too much is really high, but they do start to go down and out from a righty. <clears throat> he threw 41 pitches in the strike zone, 61 out of the strike zone. Batters would swing, batters would swing at 46 of his pitches and take 56. They took both four seamers. Uh, 39 balls, and both of those four seamers were balls. 26 strikes, 17 called, 9 swinging. Uh, 15 foul tips, 15 hits for outs, and 7 base hits. He did hit, get uh, 8 hard hits, um, 4 grounders, 1 line drive, and 3 fly balls there. But another good start for Webb, another win for Webb. Hopefully, it starts racking up more wins. Calling balls and strikes was Bruce Dreckman. Overall accuracy, 98%. Uh, overall consistency, 94 Overall favor, plus 0.27 runs for San Francisco. His impactful missed calls, top of the fourth, Valdez to Estrada, no outs, bases empty, 1-0 count, strike, it's called a ball. Bottom of the third, Webb to Bregman, no outs, space is empty. First pitch, a ball is called a strike. And then bottom of the fourth, Webb to Pena. One out, base is empty, 1-1 one, one count. A ball is called a strike. Uh, his called ball accuracy was 99%. One of 95 called balls were true strikes. And his called strike accuracy was 96%. Two of 54 called strikes were true balls. So 
decently called game. I like to see that. Uh, real quick, before I get into some ending comments, I do want to touch on the Devon situation. Um, and I, th I thought it was kind of funny at first, like when I'm reading it as a Giants fan and as someone who does appreciate Kapler, who does appreciate mostly how things are run. There are some times where as a fan, I get aggravated, but I mean, I'm also not paid millions of dollars to understand as much as they do about the sport and the players, but Devon comes out in the first game, goes like three for five with two runs and two RBIs and says what he says. That he didn't get treated right in San Francisco. And of course, the next day he walks back some of it and texts the players that he still talks to and says, hey, I wasn't talking about you. We all know he's talking about Kapler. Um, and honestly... I liked the responses from everybody else around the team. Um, I liked Kruk and Kipe's responses. And, it, you know, you look back and you see how he actually performed. It wasn't great. He wasn't amazing or anything. He was making mistakes on the base pads. Uh, I like, I can't remember if it was Kruk or Kipe, but one of them brought up the bunt that he tried to lay down against the Padres when we were up by like nine or 10 runs. And instead of throwing them under the bus, we defended them saying, hey, you know, the game's still going. It's not over till it's over. We're going to try and do as much as we can to tack on as many runs as we can to win. But all in all, the point was made that players like that will not say anything until they have, they're going to wait until they have a great game against a team that dropped them or traded them away. Uh to say something like that and and you know that's fair he we had to wear it he did go three for five with two rbis and two runs um but hey next two games combined he goes one for eight rounds into a double play right before bregman hits a home run and that home run could have been the difference between winning and losing so It is what it is, man. And by the time Altuve comes back, Dubon will not be playing. He will be a bench warmer, and he will come off the bench when necessary in certain situations. Anyway, let's get into some ending comments, right? Uh, the series moves the Giants to 13 and 17 overall, uh, 6 and 10 in away games. Uh, we're now five games back of uh, first due to the Dodgers getting their stride and having a perfect homestand, uh, moving them to 19 and 13. Fuck me. Um, the D-backs are second at 17 and 14. Padres are third at 17 and 15. So Padres about to catch the Diamondbacks. Uh, Rockies managed to sweep the Brewers. So they are now 12 and 20, still fifth. Uh that's an interesting thing to think about now that the Brewers are about to come into uh, San Francisco and play them for three games. We'll see how their mentality is looking. Uh, we're six and four in our last 10 and have a negative run differential at minus 18. Not what you like to see as far as team batting though, the giants are third in the national league in home runs at 49 and first in the NL and hit by pitch at 20. Those are the only things that we're top five in. Uh, bottom five, or bottom five in hits at 248 or 13th. 
strikeouts at 317, dead last, and batting average at 241, 12th. They sit at 10th in runs, 135, and caught stealing six and walks, 104. The team as a whole really needs to start figuring out the strikeout issue before the All-Star break. That'd be cool. like to see that. Uh, it has started to slow down a little. Earlier, they were on pace for well over 1,800. I think at one point when I looked at the pace, it was almost like 1,850. Uh, now the pace is down to just over 1,700. Still a lot, but top batters for the series. You had Estrada going three for 10 uh, with three walks and a run. He's having a great season so far, slashing 342, 409. Uh, so I like seeing how well he's doing. He looks good at second. He's looked good at shortstop, too. His arm strength looks to be better uh, than it was last year. Um, he's making really decent throws from short. Uh, also, let's give ahead and go ahead and give a shout out to Joey Bart. This man is also cooking, going three for six in the two games he played. Uh, with an RBI, a walk, a run, and only one strikeout. So far, over 15 games, he's slashing 302, 375, 372. Would like to see his power really start to play. Um, he's struck out 13 times in 43 at-bats. Uh, that's a 30% strike rate, strikeout rate that I think will start to come down. Um, he's also been playing really well behind the dish this season. Uh, Wade Jr., Estrada, Slater, and Bart were the guys with multi-hit games this series. They each got two hits apiece in a game. Um, and then one of the stats that I really wanted to look at uh, was the splits between lefty and righty pitchers and how the guys are doing bases loaded as well. Um, so just listening to commentators and other podcasts, it you know it always seems to sound like we just can't hit lefties. And it was, it was really starting to affect my own mentality too. Whenever I'd see a lefty come up and I would just get nervous and be like, Oh, great. Now we're not going to be able to get any hits off uh, this entire game. If we're just going to be up against a lefty. And then I started to think about it. Well, is how accurate is that? How true is that for us? And so I went and looked and, um, Honestly, it's not as like stark of a difference as it sounds like. Um, straight up, just versus right-handers and versus left-handers, it's 250 versus right-handers and then batting 226 versus left-handers. Not as dire as it really originally seemed in my head, but also not entirely ideal. And then if you factor in just starters, it starts to get closer. The Giants are hitting 246 versus righty starters and 234 versus lefty starters. Um, and we faced a lefty starter 11 times and, a, and then the other 19 times are obviously righties. So, I mean, it is true that we're hitting uh, righties better than lefties, but I think that's typically across the league. People hit a righty better than they hit a lefty. But it's not as much of a difference, at least as a team as a whole, as it originally was being made out to seem. And maybe I was just interpreting uh, the, the commentators and other podcasters differently. But the, from my perspective, from the way it sounded, just based on how they would talk, it made it sound like we were batting like 300 against righties and like 125 against 
uh, lefties, but no, two fifty and two twenty six. It's above the Mendoza line. The power is definitely better against righties, so we've hit forty of our forty nine home runs against righties. Uh, and then another stat as far as hitting goes uh, that at least seemed to start this year that we just can't hit with bases loaded. There have been so many bases loaded situations where just coming away with a, a strikeout or a ground out or something. And it is pretty stark. I mean, you go and just look just bases loaded, not bases loaded and one out or two outs or anything like that, just strictly bases loaded. Um, this has happened... It says here 32 plate appearances, 30 at bats. Um, we've gotten 17 runs off of this situation, six hits. Um, the batting average here, 200. We're hitting 200 with bases loaded. Uh, the on base percentage as a team, only 0.188, and the slugging is only at 433. So. Again, another scenario where it's it's not as bad as I thought it was, but it's not great either. Um, it's it's really interesting when you try and think back uh, in hindsight. Like, all right, well, how many bases of the situations have we really had? How many times have we just not gotten anybody across? Well, we're hitting 200. So there you go. That could stand to be better. But as far as... Uh, runners on just strictly runners on our worst scenario is a runner on third or batting 150 there uh so team pitching is leading in walks at 80 they are eighth in era 459 is the team uh by the way this is only in the nl this is not overall this is only in the nl uh and then we're also eighth in strikeouts at 268 Webb's ERA is now down to 3.8. Hopefully we start to see some shutout starts from him. And then Dave Sclafani is down to a 2.13 ERA. Uh, I think next episode, I'm going to dive more into the pitching splits, uh, kind of like I did here with the hitting splits. I think I'll go into pitching next episode. Um, but once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, if you have any comments, pointers, tips, corrections, anything, just let me know. Uh, I do appreciate any and all feedback that I get. Um, once again, all the data for this was coming from ESPN, Baseball Savant, Baseball Reference, Ump Scorecards, The Athletic via Grant Brisby and Andrew Baggerly, and then NBC Sports Bay Area via Alex Pavlovich, and of course, just watching the games. Um, so let's get ready to take on Milwaukee. They just got swept by the Rockies. Maybe, maybe we can get a win. Maybe we can even sweep. Let's just enjoy the games. Peace.